0: Hello oh, and welcome to Cubs PS Plus, a North Side Numbers Game, a weekly podcast that dives headfirst into the analysis of hot topics driving Chicago Cubs baseball. I'm your host, Mike Waller, a lifelong Cub fan, full-time baseball stat nerd, and sometime youth baseball coach. Thanks for being here today. I know you have a lot of choices out there. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Cubs PS Plus, a spin on the baseball metric OPS Plus. If you can, please take 10 seconds and drop a rating or a review on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you've done that, I give you a huge thank you. Maybe you can share an episode with a friend. Just a few seconds on your end can help me get better and help other Cub fans find the show. I'd love to know what you want to know about Cubs baseball. Welcome into episode 25. This week I was joined by David De Silva, mental skills coordinator for the Cubs. David talked me through the Cubs mental skills program, and we talked about how he tries to give players the tools they need to handle so many situations that come up, the pressure of a big spot, the long mental grind of a season, and how to deal mentally with injuries. Come join us. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Today, I'm lucky to be joined by Cubs mental skills coordinator, David De Silva. David, welcome to the show. Thanks very
1: much, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Great you want to walk us through your background? I'm curious, um, you know, how you got into mental skills coaching, how you wound up with the Cubs. If you can kind of take us back through your history, that'd be great.
1: Sure, sure. Well, it's probably not your typical uh, American baseball kind of background. Um, I originally, uh, born and raised in South Africa, and just like our players uh, with the Cubs, the dream was to be professional. Uh, but my sport was soccer, or football, if you will, as we say. Um, so I really started understanding the power of the mind as I, um, had this unbelievable goal of be, being professional. I read a book at 14 years old that really talked about the mental game with our uh, South African cricket team. And it really opened my eyes out to, to the power of the mind and all that's involved in the pressures and confidence and motivation. And obviously we had no training before that. There was no coach that really talked about that. I also share with our players that I think a big reason why I do what I do is because I was never taught confidence. I was never taught how to handle pressure, and I think it's such an important piece. So I was really excited about it. I I had an attempt uh, a year. I say an attempt. It was a couple of months to a year in Portugal trying to be professional. I didn't make it, but I was very honored that one of my coaches back in South Africa uh, knew of a soccer scholarship in New Hampshire. So I ended up in New Hampshire college, uh, which now called Southern New Hampshire university played soccer, studied. And I, I did my, um, I did my bachelor's degree in psychology, obviously with the goal of, of being a sports psychologist, maybe one day. Um, and so that those experiences really took me through playing and being a student athlete obviously has its, has its challenges um then was very fortunate to go to barry university in miami and study um sport and exercise psychology and do my masters and in that time i was really looking for practical experience the program at barry is wonderful it allows you to work with athletes so i was able to not just study but get practical experience working with a range of different athletes and that opened up uh, the possibility of going uh, to an internship at img academy Unfortunately, I didn't get that internship, but I got the next best thing, which was, um, an internship at the Chris Evans Tennis Academy down in Boca Raton. And I was able to really, you know, to lead that program. There was no director then. So I was an intern, but I was able to secure a full-time position at the end of that year. And then I was there for six years before i actually eventually led me to IMG Academy. Um, and IMG Academy is a multi-sport, um, very, very highly scholastic program as well. And I was able to be there for nine years before one of my colleagues that actually started at the Cubs, that uh, that started the program, Josh Lifrak, um, really started the program back in 2014. And he had asked me a couple of times, quite frankly, to join the Cubs. And I think it it led me to a full-time position as the mental skills coordinator in 2018. So this is my sixth season with the Cubs, and it's been an absolute privilege to kind of be involved in a sport that I didn't grow up with, but I am appreciating the the nuances, the, the baseball gods, uh, just the craziness that it is to perform 100-something days in a row, and just being able to really see these young athletes struggle mentally, struggle with how difficult it is. I mean, I think, obviously to be a professional in baseball, to get to the big leagues is an extremely difficult road. And so it's it's an honor to be able to influence these young players to understand how to handle it, how to be as prepared as they can. But as I tell our players, you know, we care about them as a person, maybe more so as than just a, a baseball player, because they're much, much more than that. You know, baseball is what they do, but it's not who they are. And we're really trying to empower our players to understand that, understand how to maneuver through the difficulties of being professional on a daily basis. And then obviously the difficulties of handling that outside of baseball, which obviously after 2020 and, and COVID and what we've gone through, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real issue that we're all trying to navigate through. So we're very proud to have a program that really helps these young athletes.
0: Great. Right. I, I love hearing about it. I know when I grew up, um, I'm going to guess we're probably not too far off in age. Um, when I grew up, play, I played baseball, played a little bit of football, and it was very much a just be tougher. And yeah. there's so much more that goes into it. I've got kids now that play baseball, and watching them go through, my oldest got cut early in his high school baseball career, came back, had to fight back and make the team. My youngest now is still you a know, youth player, but he's got a little bit of anxiety, performance anxiety stuff he's dealing with, and it's it's good to see that there's people are paying attention to this stuff. And I think we see it in pro and college sports. I mean, this will set up my next question, but we just saw over the last two weekends, Brett Maher with the Cowboys. He's a good kicker. I mean, he's been in the league since 2018. He had only missed, I think seven extra points his entire career until these playoffs when he missed five. And we hear about the yips, and then we see athletes. I mean, Simone Biles did it in the last Olympics and Patrick McCaffrey, who's an Iowa basketball forward. Stepped away from the game, setting anxiety. And so that kind of puts out there the the mental skills, the dealing with stress and pressure for performance, versus also the mental health. like how does how does that play into the Cubs program?
1: Well, quite frankly, you know my training is is strictly mental performance. and when we we talk about mental performance, you know the easiest way I can describe that, and it's the premise of our program is, to help our athletes pay attention to the right thing at the right time, regardless of the circumstance, whether it's under pressure or whether they're in spring training with a meaningless game, potentially. We're really trying to implore how to pay attention with confidence, being able to really lock in and do what's right at that time. So just understanding that distinction, then you can understand where performance comes in is that they're having a a certain situation or an event, that really triggers anxiety that triggers pressure that triggers stress and fear that's where we can come in from a mental health perspective uh, we're very fortunate we have a program um, that's kind of our eap employment assistance program it's a chicago-based company called support link that provides all the mental health counseling assessments um, that our players may need if there are situations that are outside of performance so if it's personal family-related issues, um, cognitive and obviously daily stress that they can't just manage relationship issues. We are very proud that we have a program of very, very highly skilled um, licensed psychologists that really take that over. So it's really a team effort for us at the Cubs. Um, We understand that it's very hard to separate both. You know, quite frankly, we're Mm -hmm. considered first responders if any athletes are having those kind of difficulties. They will come to us. We feel very proud that they have a relationship with us to confide in us. We, we're very confidential with that process, but then we pass on those needs to a licensed professional who can really help and dig in deeper. Um, and that's, that's been working really well for us um, for the last couple of years.
0: That's great. How does the Cub system work? Like, how do you fit in? I know there are other coordinators as well. Do you have a certain region? Do you work with a certain level?
1: Well, as of right now, there are two of us in the department. So mental skills is under the uh, PD department, right? Player development. And within that player development program, you've got your coaches, you've got nutritionists, you've got athletic trainers, you've got strength and conditioning coaches. We have a tremendous team of support staff. The mental skills program, really, we are uh, an important part of everything that they do. We try and you know provide, and maybe I can keep it as simple as possible, the education, of the skills, the awareness, maybe is the first part. Then it's the education, the application, how to actually practice. And then we support, and that support can be in many, many different ways. So it's providing materials, providing content that will help them understand the mental skills. So for example, if we're talking about self-talk, what you say to yourself, you know, we provide any other content needed that will give them a good education of what it is why it's important, and how they can use it. Our goal then is not just to provide that support, but then to be able to help them apply it. We're there um, at least once a month with every team in season. We are roving, as our other Rovers do. Uh, Right now, the format we choose is we're there at least once a month with every player for a six-day series. We're in the locker room, we're in the clubhouse, we're in the dugout during the games. And we're doing a variety of things. We're again reminding players of what they might have learned with us in spring training and applying those in game. We're very aware of if there's any changes to their body language, if there's any changes in their demeanor, to really help them understand, you know, what they're going through. And being very, um, you know, we have to quite, we have to be quite uh, succinct with how we do that. You know, some players prefer talking in the game just for a short period of time. Some people, some of our players want to kind of have a bit more of those uh, deeper conversations. So we're really trying to understand our players and how they communicate in those situations. We're providing a lot of content with coaches. We're asking coaches to give us feedback since they're there with the players more than we are. But in that six day series, we're really trying to educate our players, trying to apply the sport, the, the skills needed. We have chalk talks, which are many five to ten minute discussions with our players maybe more player-led and we talk about themes we have uh, open mindfulness meditation sessions where we just maybe an hour or an hour and a half before they get out there um, we, we we guide them through meditation we provide an environment that does that but a lot of our work is individual um, in spring training that might change we do we try and do some group sessions and really lead some some big themes and big um, skills that they can learn. And obviously as the level, you know, as players get up the levels, there's probably more reminders than the education piece. So we spend a lot of time obviously in the Dominican Republic and Arizona to give them education, but then we're there to kind of really support that through the, through their evolution. And then our goal is obviously, once they get into the big leagues, They have the foundation, they have the experiences because that's where the mental game, you know, you can talk about how to handle pressure, but unless you're on the mound and you're feeling it with the crowd, you're feeling it in that situation, you're a top prospect and you're not performing, that's where the best, um, really, education comes in through experience, but, you know, I think the learning from experience is extremely important. So that's where our role is as well, is to be there in the moment, really help them navigate through those difficult situations And really, again, going back to the premise is paying attention to the right thing at the right time, regardless of the situation. That could be for our 16-year-old player in the Dominican, all the way up to our veterans in AAA, and obviously to get ready for that when they get to Wrigley.
0: Yes. And you must have a lot of unique challenges in there. So when I had talked with Mark Weissman, and he talked about some of what you guys do in an earlier episode, but... To see, you know, you start in the Dominican where they're 16, which I think your, your IMG experience must come in really handy there when you're dealing with those young, talented athletes. Um, and then you get people who are rising through the system and some who stagnate or they even fall back in the system. People coming off injuries as they get older, trying to hang on to a career, you know. Talk me through kind of dealing with those different age groups and, and different guys just being in different points in their career
1: and not only that different cultures and different That's perspectives and different attitudes and diff, you know it's it's it really is something that we, we 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 and I will say we're not perfect at understanding a player at his point in his life and how he's managed that a lot a lot of our scouts do some excellent work understanding the family dynamics which gives us a little bit of information because that influences them especially as a 16 year old who's trying to learn about their identity learn about who they are baseball's the only thing they've ever known so Having that kind of information really helps. I think at the end of the day, we are trying to create robust, trustful relationships with our players. And that comes through being honest, being open, having that dialogue, um, and being really help, helping our athletes when they need it most. But we're all, I think the one theme that we're trying to push is being more proactive versus reactive. So to be more proactive, you have to be aware, you have to be educated on what situations will be difficult. You have to be able to anticipate what potential problems are. So we're really trying to be more proactive because once you're reactive, there's emotions, there's, there's a, maybe a mental block because that person has failed many times in their career and they haven't succeeded. And it's really hard to get through that. So we try and provide all the necessary, um, skills awareness education so that they can maneuver but it really is about the relationships it's the conversations it's the conversations with the coaches with the athletic trainers with the strength and conditioning mark weissom is awesome he's got a great energy to him he's he's got the he's got he's he's got the pulse on our players um and you can see that when you talk to him he's also he's got the presence obviously as well you know he's a big man and 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 these players respect him but you know we, we really work with the the staff as much as we can and quite frankly we can work with them more to know what situations our players are going through so that when we do arrive at the ballpark for the game the first game that in that series on Tuesday we're already aware that mate, there's some players that may be struggling so we can kind of really work as a team and reinforce the same things um, but it's really learning about the players developing those strong relationships where they open and honest with those conversations not always easy especially in a as you can imagine in a, in a clubhouse where there's other players around. So we try and really understand the environment. When we do speak to them, we, stand, we understand you know, how they best communicate, um, but we're really trying to learn about them. And I think that's through conversation, that's through really going through those experiences and being there with them. I think after 2020, obviously the virtual world really opened up a, a portal of communication it really was open, but it had—it was a had to be, right? And mm-hmm. I think there's nothing better than being there live with an athlete uh, and being present with them. Uh, and it's very difficult to always do that very well. I'm not saying it's impossible virtually, but I think it takes a process of time with those athletes. So there's so many nuances, you know, working with AAA players that have families, different obligations, different contract statuses, and how that affects their decisions and, just being that one step below the big, you know, the show, it's really getting into understanding what their challenges are and how we can support them. So we obviously encourage a, a social support system, whether it's their family, their colleagues, and really imploring them to, to have all the resources available for them, have, have the choices for them. You know, the one with our young players, we, we, we describe how we're almost like a carpenter who has a toolbox. And in that toolbox, there are many different tools for many different uses. Mm-hmm. And so we're providing them a lot of tools so that when they go through the experiences, they can kind of simply use that tool. And we reinforce just how how often they should use it, when they should use it, and really being there in the moments as well to remind them to train them.
0: Okay. When you have a top prospect, and I'll, I'll just use Brendan yeah. Davis as an example. Yeah, you know, He was sure. shooting up through the Cubs system. Everybody kind of thought he would maybe make his appearance in Chicago last year. Had the back injury, the surgery, bit of a step back in the fall. It sounds like he's doing okay right now, and hopefully he'll be good to go in spring training. Sure. But when you see a, a prospect like that that has a major injury, Alexander Canario is going through it now as well. Do you does the program step in kind of extra with those guys to try to see how they're doing, kind of stay in touch with them through their rehab process?
1: Exactly. That's that's one small part of it. I think. Uh, you know the relationship that we we've had with those players before they even get injured is also extremely important and we're really trying to help them understand the the importance of the again maybe a more proactive approach but our goal and, and we can be better quite frankly in supporting our injured athletes um but our goal is to connect with the players see what their needs are really educate them on the um the mindset that they need when they do get injured that quite frankly their sport has been taken away from them for a few weeks or a few months, but now their sport is rehab and how diligent and how focused and how committed they have to be on every single thing. We're consistently reminding of that. We have individual conversations. When they're um, in Mesa, we really try and uh, encourage that daily, weekly dialogue. And again, it's a team approach, being able to talk to our athletic trainers, our strength and conditioning coaches, I think a big challenge as well that we're finding as well is what they do outside of their time in the complex in Mesa. So being able to really give them the encouragement, the advice they need to maybe pick up a hobby, to maybe do something because they could be a lot of our players maybe go back to the hotel and they're they're in the hotel for the rest of the day. That's maybe not the most mentally healthy uh, prospect for them, right? The most important option. So we really try and we, we have a, we provide them with books. If there's a book that they'd like, um, we encourage them to get books. We send them videos. So we're really trying to support them with any of their needs. And someone like Brendan Davis, you know, he carries himself like a big leaguer, which is tremendous. He has a mindset that he is going to be in the show. And that's a great kind of student and athlete to work with sometimes with those athletes, it's knowing when to slow it down and not to push so hard. And I think that's the case, that's human nature when you're really trying to reach an unbelievably difficult goal and you're very gun ho You're really trying to manage that expectation of themselves. You're trying to understand the process of rehabilitation. You're trying to educate them that this is a tremendous time to work on their mental skills and to strengthen them even more. So we're really trying to understand the athlete, where they're at, their mindset, assess where they are, um, in terms of their attitude with injury. You know, a big part of that is how often have they been injured? Brennan Davis is a lot better at understanding how to deal with injury because he's had injuries before. But a, a young kid who's had a, his first injury, that's a question of their self-identity that first, you know, that first challenge is, you know, hey, baseball was my life. I got to this point. Now I'm injured. Now, what do I do? And so we're really encouraging the mindset of what is needed when you're
0: in that rehab process. Okay. I like your last point kind of takes me back. I want, want to kind of start at the beginning of a player's career. So every every single player the Cubs signed from 16-year-olds in the Dominican to high school kids or college-age players, they're all amazing baseball players in the top couple percent in the world. How do you guys work with them in the beginning to set reasonable expectations? I'm, I'm sure they all see themselves as heading for the show, mm-hmm. probably super fast, you know, not – But but then they could wind up spending seven years, eight years in the minor leagues. And for those 16-year-old kids, they can spend eight years in the minors and still come up at a young 24.
1: Sure, sure. I think the easiest response to that is education, helping them understand. We do it with honesty. We do it with care. We do it with non-judgment. But they need to understand the difficult process of getting to the show. Last season, there was a Dominican player that says, I'm going to be in the big leagues in four years and when you hear that from a player that obviously very young with that attitude you want to encourage that mindset but you also need to really help them understand the process so we try and really avoid talking about the outcome and we talk about the process and i think the cubs do a tremendous job in breaking down a player's development into meaningful goals that are done metrics obviously we all know Baseball is a very metric driven, driven, data driven sport and so they're aware of their evolution and we're trying to educate them on the steps needed to do that. So a lot of time for us is being very honest with their chances of being successful, very direct in what is needed and educating them, providing them with the skills and the knowledge and the awareness of what is needed a big part of that and i think it's been very successful is inviting our older players if it's our older dominican players or venezuelan players to be able to share their experiences with our younger players i think it's great when they hear it from coaches from ourselves as mental skills coaches but they when they hear it from their own they start to appreciate that this is i'm a professional now it's not just baseball i got to make sure my nutrition my, that i'm ready that i'm sleeping well when they hear it from their colleagues, it's extremely powerful. So we're very – I think that's a, a, a goal that we, we really started a couple of seasons ago. I think even in, um, in 2020, we had some of our older veterans and I think even some of our big leaguers being able to zoom in to our younger players and really talk about their experiences. And it really helped our younger players understand. So I think a big part of that is, is really giving them the education and understanding the expectations of what is needed. And then our goal in PD and play development at the Cubs is to provide them with all the resources, but also the awareness of how they are successfully or unsuccessfully not reaching certain goals. And that's a evolution of time that you cannot rush, that you that you have to understand. You know, it's very rare for baseball players to for, to go straight from the DR all the way to the big leagues in a couple of years. And so those kind of players, it's really just examining. And understanding their expectations and their mindsets and educating them supporting them um, and really kind of it's it's a, a difficult journey but it's one where quite frankly we have to be open and honest with these players for them to understand the difficulty of what is ahead
0: yeah i have a question too about um as you're working with these players what tends to be the biggest hurdle for young players is it the the daily attention and concentration that's required in this space is it Is it the expectations? Like, what do you tend to see as the kind of the biggest breakthrough you wind up having with young players?
1: I think for them, it's understanding the discipline to commit to being professional that not everyone has. You know, everyone wants the goal, everyone sees the show, and that is exactly the, the ultimate goal, but it's the daily grind. And I think our players have a difficult time understanding exactly what that means. They've done things their way uh, with the help of maybe their coaches in the past, but it's really understanding how that daily discipline, the time schedule, the routine is needed because quite frankly, it is about pressure handling pressure at the end of the day. Maybe the greater theme is how they handle the pressure of committing to the daily grind, having success in small or big ways to give them a chance to get to the next level and then to the next. And that is a lot of pressure on a daily basis. It's a grind. It's very, very difficult, but it's really helping them appreciate the discipline and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the love of the craft. I think that's what we try and really help with the mental skill program is to not think about the outcome only. It's the process. The journey is more rewarding. The journey is where you spend more time. You can dream about the big leagues every day. And yes, you should but it's what you're doing today now in the present moment, which is why mindfulness meditation training is so important for us. We want our players to appreciate being present, committing to that block of time it could be 15 minutes of ca- in the, in the cage. They can't think about the next two hours after that of their, you know, their, their game, they're going to have, it's committing to that cage work for the 15 minutes. And when they're done with that, it's the next item on the agenda. Being able to give them that present-minded focus, to be able to focus uh, and, and be present is is an extremely difficult ha- uh, skill that our athletes have to work on. But once we find that players can understand that, and and what's a wonderful thing that it comes out of that is our players learn to be to be very grateful. Their gratitude increases. You know, our older players in AAA and AA, it's wonderful to see. They're really just committed to being focused on the present and they actually are more thankful for those opportunities. That journey to get to AA, to AAA is very difficult too. And they're just so grateful for having that chance to work every day. That's a great indication that these players are appreciating that journey, their craft. You've got to love your craft. It can't be about your outcomes. It can't only be about data. Data is a window into how you're doing. Data is a window into your improvement. If they're worried about that, it takes away from the present, so we're really keeping them. Um, as Ken Ravitza, one of the one of our former um, Major League's um, mental skills coaches, used to say, "Be where your feet are." And I mm-hmm. think every day our players can stay in that mindset. They tend to evolve and succeed, not just with their sport, but with life as well.
0: So, how do you teach that, or how do you how do you get a player to focus on?
1: Sure. Well, again, it's education and awareness. It starts with education awareness. So for us, um, being present, such a general topic, but I think a core component of that it's mindfulness meditation. We have six foundational skills that we teach and mindfulness meditation is a core piece of that. Now, to be quite honest, it's very difficult skill. And a lot of our players find it very challenging. Mindfulness can be done in different ways. You know, we encourage our players when they walk down the dugout, be mindful, feel your feet, feel the bat. When they're in the national anthem and they're standing in line, focus on their breath. There are so many great informal ways to practice that. But the greater context of it is when they get into onto the mound, right, or they get into the box, they're truly staying present and, and, and being uh, focused on what is happening at that time. They cannot think about a couple of pitches before they last at bat. The pitchers can't think about, you know, the second inning when they walked a couple of guys they're really locking in with what they're doing, but it starts with that education, and awareness. We teach the skill of that through mindfulness meditation, which could be focusing on the breath. There's many forms of doing that we encourage, and then it's really, giving them the opportunity to to go through experiences, go through failure and learning from it. So we're really trying to encourage them. How aware were they in competition, right? We talk about one thing we want to introduce in the near future is knowing what their number is, m- meaning what's their intensity from zero to 10, 10 being super, super excited, energetic off the wall to zero being almost comatose. Every player has a certain number that they operate best in. So once a player understands their number, they can kind of learn what is needed in their own ways to get to that number to perform at their best way. So that's a way to really pay attention because we they come into the dugout and an example of this could be, hey, what's your number? And we're just asking them to now check in with their bodies, check in with their mental state. All right, I should be at a seven right now, I'm at a five. Now that creates that internal reflection period. And then we're then, have the skills to kind of get them to pump up, to fire themselves up, or to slow down, whatever the case may be.
0: Okay. And to use a couple of examples that fans will be aware of. So, with that number example, like a Kyle Hendricks probably is going to operate typically yeah. lower end of the scale. Sure. But Christopher Morel is probably more that seven, eight, nine. As he
1: yeah. Goes. That is extremely important, and that's a very individual thing that we. And that's that's again going back to our conversations with each player, giving them the awareness. We agree, there's no fundamental cookie cutter approach to any of our mental skills that we teach. It's really understanding what works best for them. As I mentioned before, that carpenter analogy, there's a toolbox, there's certain tools that will work better for certain players and there's others that will work best for others. So we don't force our players to have to do mindfulness meditation. They're doing it in their own way and they don't even realize it. But we're really encouraging them to understand what works best for them and we're supporting them with all the resources needed and not just in mental skills but in all the departments they do it in their own ways in their different ways Uh, and i think it's a wonderful journey for players to have that reflection that awareness and then it's really being able to be ready for that situation
0: okay now it's part of that grind imagine well i know just in lower levels of baseball there's, there's such a routine to the game there's such a day-to-day approach, you've got your cage work, you've got your bullpens, all that stuff. How do you see routine versus ritual versus actually superstitions? I mean, that's a big thing in baseball. How do do those interplay?
1: Great question. It's uh, something I talk to our players a lot and and through my experience with youth sports. So, you know, they could be very well-related. For us, a routine is a systematic repetition of thoughts, feelings, and behaviors with a specific purpose. And you can argue rituals is very similar. Superstitions for us um, are, are difficult because you're relying so much on the uncontrollable, right? There's no causation to you having to wear those socks with you playing well, right? But we all know that baseball is so superstitious. So we don't want to take away that mindset. But we're really trying to give back control to be more in control and so for us the term we use is routines a ritual is maybe a it can be a mindless activity done over and over again but for us the routines are a systematic process thoughts feelings even emotions and practices that get them into a certain mental state and i think that's maybe where it's a little different from superstitions but that education is a big part of that that awareness of themselves and what they currently do that may be rituals or routines or Um, You know, going through that experience, we, again, we spend a lot of time on on helping them assess themselves. Um, And for us, there's pre-competition routines, there's in-game routines, there's in-between innings routines. You know, there's so many different ways that they can kind of plug in with purpose a systematic Mm -hmm. thought or feeling that they want to emulate in this next moment. So we're really trying to encourage, and then even after the game, what are your routines to wind down, to forget the game? It's a very all-encompassing routines is a more favorable term for me um, than the other two because it, it hands back power, it hands back control. And the beauty of it too is they can adjust their routines. You know, I think a superstition, it works, it doesn't work, it's out, right? Whatever the case is, routines. You can add. It's like a recipe. You can add a little more salt. You can add a few more items there. It's figuring out what works for you.
0: That's great. Um, how do you work with the players on? Imagine the routine kind of plays into this, but the the self talk. Uh, you go through. It, it, everything's great when you're hot, right? And then you go through sure. a slump, and you're over 26, and you know you're stuck in double A. And like, how how do you deal with players on the self talking? It's a wonderful
1: challenge to be honest. And I think I have adjusted my way that I teach self-talk in the past couple of years after learning, um, kind of the act approach, acceptance, commitment therapy, um, and some really, really good books by Dr. Russell Harris on the subject All really all encompassing, but it really talked about self-talk. So, you know, when I went to grad school, it was all about positive self-talk. It's gonna, any negative self-talk it's gonna do it. And then obviously, When you're struggling with it you've got to block it you've got to reframe it and those strategies can work 100 but over the last couple of years i've really tried to encourage our players to understand the difference between helpful and hurtful self-talk because the fact is negative self-talk can be positive can be helpful right when you're really being critical on yourself and you're not wearing Rose-colored glasses all the time, and you're critical. That can wake you up to make adjustments in your habits and your and your changes. With positive self-talk, it can also be negative because you're wearing those, you know, rose rose-tinted glasses. You're you're not hiding the truth. You're hiding the truth in many ways. And you think that all these things are going to work out if you just think positively. And there's power to that. But we believe that helpful and hurtful thinking is where we really teach that. And it's up to the players to really understand what works for them. You know, there's some players that play with a lot of emotion and they need that energy. So they might be more critical on themselves, but if they if they understand is that helpful or hurtful and make that distinction, then they can kind of make the right adjustments. And again, it's, it's, it's for us, it's being present. It's having those conversations in the dugout, in the locker room, when they're going through those difficulties, when we notice they are fighting with themselves. Again, it's the education, being able to support them in that moment, and then for them, essentially, what we're trying to do is help them coach themselves. We're trying to coach ourselves out of a job in some ways mm-hmm. because we're trying to get them to be their own mental coach and to handle everything. So self-talk is is uh, you, you can go into the weeds of a lot of ways, but we're really trying to get them to appreciate. You know, it's not always a polarized thing. You know, it can be helpful, hurtful. There's sometimes in the middle but it's being aware, emotionally stable to understand that the thoughts they have in their head, you know, your thoughts are just thoughts and not to hold too much onto them, not to judge them so much and and believe they are fact. It's just a voice in your head. And we had a great colleague of ours uh, a couple of years ago, Bob Tewksbury, and he talked about uh, the little man in your head, which is that voice in your head that might say, you're not good enough. You're not, what are you doing? You're not getting better. And it's being able to quieten that little man. And I think that educating our players on helpful versus hurtful and not judging what you think as the fact, the do-all and be-all, it really helps our players to take more control again of, of, of the other situation and of what they can do in that
0: situation. Okay. Does that play into different people have different opinions? What are your thoughts on visualization? Is that something you guys teach?
1: Yes, it's again, one of our fundamental skills. We believe visualization slash imagery, you know, it's referred to as mental rehearsal. We're always doing it, whether we know it or not. You know, if you think about tomorrow, you're probably imagining something in your head of an event tomorrow. It's a picture, maybe not so much words. And that's a fundamental tool for any athlete at any level. You know, it's so, it's got so much value to it. You can look in the past and look at one of your outings, whether it's on video. And a lot of our players can see that video but then they can imagine how they would have done something different. Maybe it's that swing. Maybe it's that one pitch in that high leverage situation. So we can kind of encourage them to look back at their performance. We can encourage them to use imagery to be in the present and stay present and imagine themselves in a calm, serene environment an hour before they get out in the most high pressure situation and be able to feel that, balanced state. We can help them look into the future with imagery and plan and strategize their responses in high leverage situations in difficult moments. So we're really trying to encourage that skill as another tool in the toolbox. But quite frankly, I think imagery is probably one of the more powerful tools. And I'm sure this is the case for many other sports as well, because it is so dynamic, so many great uses to it. And it's free. It's pretty much easy. If you have a mind, you can use imagery. You can imagine yourself on Mars right now. There is no limit to the power of imagery.
0: Right. What? What are? Can you walk me through the six core skills?
1: Sure. Sure. So we mentioned mindfulness meditation, um, not just being present, but really attuning into themselves. That inner reflection is very important. Self-talk, again mentioned before, very important. Imagery obviously is important. Um, breathing techniques, really understanding the power of the breath and how it connects the mind and the body, and whether it needs to raise your level up or raise it down. Again, going back to knowing your number is very important. Um, reflection strategies. Uh, this is kind of going back. You know, experience is one thing, but being able to learn from experience is another. Mm-hmm. So, being able to reflect back what works, what doesn't work. We encourage our players to write down their thoughts, a journal, if you will, some way where they can kind of connect with what's happened so they can learn quicker and faster and more appropriately. Our goal setting is a big strategy as well. One of our foundational pieces because they need to understand the outcome, but then really lay down the foundation pieces of the journey of the process. And again, at the Cubs we're very meticulous and they have a lot of goals that they have to reach, but it's really understanding how to set appropriate goals, how to, how to know that you won't always reach your goal, but now being able to backtrack a little bit and understanding the mindset behind that. Mm-hmm. And I think the last one we have, we mentioned again, uh, routines, being able to lay all those pieces of those previous skills into a routine, but then knowing how to plan that in their day, in their week, in that series and through the season that's a skill in itself that's, that can be very complex
0: too. Okay. And routine, I want to jump back into that. So one thing I heard um, over the end of last season, this off season from Ian Happ, he came up, he had some struggles Kind of went back and forth to the minors a little bit. And he talked about how last year, or I guess the end of 2021, once all the trades were made and he finally just got to play every day, settled in left field, that consistency really, helped him settle in. And I want to talk about that versus the idea of the, like what Christopher Morrell did last year, the the player who can play five, six different positions. You show up, you know, you don't know which glove you're going to wear. You hope you're in the lineup. How do you coach that? The, just which guys need that stability and which guys can potentially thrive in a little bit more chaotic environment.
1: Sure, I mean, it's it's hard to predict what players will handle either part of that spectrum. right? And I think consistency is so so dynamic that you know it is related to that routine piece. And going even further, maybe a more mindset approach or philosophical approach is, is loving your craft. But undoubtedly, when you're more consistent and that's what the upper echelons of any sport, of any performance endeavor, the best in the world are more consistent. And a lot of that consistency is also pioneered through their experiences, through understanding through failure and success, what works for an athlete. So for us, it's really educating our players again on, on the importance of doing the daily things that are, that are vital to their success. And not everyone's going to do yoga obviously, or do certain things that they feel aren't helpful, but they've got to be able to cover certain things that are important. So it's really providing them with all the experience, all the, all the resources that they need. And it's, and it's up to the player to really discover what works, but consistency, um, there's one thing to be consistent from a performance perspective in baseball, but then there's a consistent mindset. Hmm. And that's what we can truly control. And in talking about controllables, that's a big piece of what we teach. There's only so many things you can control and you can't, and for us, A consistent attitude and mindset is your choice, no matter what the situation. Someone like morale feeds on energy and is able to be as present-minded as possible, that feeds that player. That's a great bit of awareness, but he's in control of that and how he does that. And it's really being able to understand the player to teach those elements. Um, But the more consistent they are in their approach and their mindset, A big piece that we investigate is their expectations as well. You know, That's kind of what I try and do like a detective when I talk to a player who's going through difficulty. What are their expectations and how they might not be aligning with reality? And they might not know that, but it's for us important to educate them on that. All right, so it's, again, once they get to a point where they understand the value of that mindset, then it's important to understand the consistent mental approach. That will serve them best no matter what the situation and even if they do have uh if they're going to pinch run that one situation is to be as ready as possible for that situation that may open up another opportunity and then obviously to be more consistent but it's again going back to another core piece being present being present will help that first stage of being consistent and finding the feet under you, finding the mindset that works for you, finding the habits and the actions that will help you be successful.
0: I guess that plays into, I've I've heard interviews with David Bodie after he hit that grand slam against Washington a few years ago, how he's sitting in the dugout and he just, you know, he's, he's looking down the batting order and sees, I might pinch hit, I might pinch run. And he talked about how at one point he was ready to hit, but then he thought it would switch and he'd wind up running. Um, is that, that's some of what you're talking about, right? Just, Knowing yeah. when you really have to lock in versus, yes. you know, the second inning, he probably doesn't, ha- may not have to be all that, focused.
1: Sure, sure. No, there's high level situations. I was very blessed to be in that uh, watching that game and such a remarkable demonstration to me of being present, really. Um, for different players, they can put more worth on a situation, and obviously. There could be more value to a situation at the end of their career, at the beginning of their career, at the end of their contract. Mm -hmm. So again, it goes back to what's their mindset. They have and teaching them the ultimate goal, really. And again, going back to something mentioned before, paying attention to the right thing at the right time, regardless of the situation, what that really is, is being in the zone, Mm -hmm. creating the, this creating the mindset of just being able to let go non-judgmentally, enjoy that situation, not think of what you did in the past, not foresee what happens in the future. And I think David did that extremely well in that situation. Um, To his credit, there's a lot of failure behind that, right? You know a a big part of what we teach our players, you're gonna fail a heck of a lot more than you're gonna succeed in your career. It's a difficult pill to swallow, but it's through that failure where you learn what you can do in a moment that is presented right then and there. And for us, it's about being present.
0: Okay. So as as we head into spring training, do you go on site for all of spring training?
1: Yes, yes. Spring training is a big part of us. It's like, um, sometimes it feels like we're drinking from the fire hose in some way. We're, We're trying to really ramp up getting ready for the season. So for us, our goal is to support players and the coaches to be ready. Um, And that can involve a lot of different pieces. So we're there early in the morning. We're there when the players come in. We have historically in the last two seasons, we've had a meeting with every player and really got to hear from them and really got to see where they are, look ahead to the future, what their goals are and encourage them with certain things that we teach. So we can have individual sessions Sometimes we have chalk talks. Uh, this is where we bring a group that's on field four, for example, maybe it's the pitchers on one side and the position players on another and we're teaching them certain uh, ideas or we're just having a conversation sometimes. Um, I think those are very powerful in a way. We have open mindfulness meditation times where any player that wants to, We sometimes we go in the field, sometimes we sit on the balcony and watch the sunrise um, just to, as a way to kind of get that mental gear kind of for the day. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts. We work closely with the coaches. We're out there in practice. You know, we're helping the coaches any way we can, but we're we're also doing a lot of observation, especially when some of the, the games come in and being able to understand how they prepare. So a lot of our time is being present, being observant. Um, and maybe the last part is really giving them Uh, an awareness of all the resources that they have. By the time they leave spring training, there's a heck of a lot of stuff that they can um, access on their phones. We have a great platform that a lot of our information lies on. And a player can look at a video that we might have put up about emotional control. In fact, during the season, we have uh, videos every week uh, about certain themes or situations that will help our players. We're teaching them... You know, my colleague speaks in Spanish, I speak in English, but we're trying to get them to really appreciate all the choices they have. And spring training is getting to know, obviously, a lot of the new players that come in, the free agents, especially as they, you know, double A, triple A, and understanding where they're coming from in their mental development. So it's a lot of investigating, a lot of getting to create more uh, newer relationships. It's, It's creating stronger relationships and stronger bonds with the players that have been with us. But again, it's maybe the overall objective as it is every year is being more proactive and understanding just what resources and choices they have. And then when the season starts, they will forget because obviously in competition, you can't think about everything. So we're there to kind of remind them to further support them, to have those frank, honest discussions and to really just appreciate the journey that they have and encourage them in a non-judgmental way to struggle and pick up the pieces. And, and, you know, they're going to know, you know, no player needs to know they've made a mistake. They know they made a mistake, and it's not further reinforcing that, but just to be there and to understand, all right, you made a mistake. What are your choices now? And really giving them the encouragement and the care that they need.
0: And building on that, I would think the trust in that relationship is – got to be paramount do you ever get into conflict where coaches are coming to you with something about a player like how how do you deal with those potential conflicts with sort of team versus player
1: sure well we always try and do um the right thing at the moment and that is to understand the two perspectives of what a player might think and what a coach might think as the challenges that they may have Mm -hmm. one of the first tasks we have when we report to the ballpark on a Tuesday for a six-day series is to connect with the coaches, even before. You know, if it's just an email, if there's any certain players that have certain situations, let us know, right? And and then we can kind of have those conversations live when we're at the ballpark. So it's really doing that homework of being able to understand truly what is happening. And then to have those open, honest discussions with players is not always easy. It's finding a time in the day. It's not, uh, they have to go through the fundamental training they have to go through their, you know, go strength and conditioning. They might have a meeting with nutritionists. Uh, a lot of our Latin players have to do English classes, so it's being able to find that time to sit with them to support them. Um, and quite frankly, you know, not every player will be open and honest to just share everything. And maybe it's because we haven't had the time to build that relationship yet. And that's perfectly natural. And quite frankly, uh, it's it's probably not as common as it was maybe 10, 15 years ago, but some players feel like, Hey, I have this mental game. I'm on it. You're, I don't need you right now. And that's okay. We, we're not forcing anything. We tell our players, we're not forcing you to believe everything. We say, we, we understand the research, we're giving you evidence based approaches of what works. It's your choice. And what's interesting is some players need to fail to learn those lessons. And they come to us and say man you know what i remember you talked about this in spring training and i i could have used that at that moment i don't know what i was they need to fail they need to go through those experiences that's that's where the harshest lessons are learned um so we're we're you know some players are very happy with the resources we give them they read the the quotes that we can send them they see the videos we send and they feel fine and we probably don't talk as much but we connect with every player we try and really treat every player the same. They're young professionals, young men that are trying to do something exceptionally well. But it's really that failure is the best teacher. And and I think with the mental skills training, um, they have to learn those lessons before maybe they take the mental skills training seriously. Um, But when we can educate our young players in the DR of all the choices they have, then I think they have a better foundation to use them. And we're there to encourage them. We're there to work with the coaches, the strength and conditioning, the athletic trainers to talk, to, to, to have the same verbiage, to encourage the same things. Um, not always easy, obviously, because every player is a bit different and every coach has a different emphasis at a different time. But if we're on the same page, players eventually find their way. And that's at the end of the day, what we're trying to give them the ability to be their own mental coach when they're going through all the difficult situations they do.
0: Right. Is there a player that stands out to you that you've worked with who maybe needed some of that and really kind of grew to be strong in the mental game that kind of stands out from your experience?
1: Yeah. So there's a player that's no longer with our organization. Um, But last season, or I think it was the season before, um, we had really good conversations in spring training. He was an older pitcher um, and he really – enjoy talking about the mental game. So you could see he was really appreciating everything, but there was a point in double A. He came in in the inning. He was a starting pitcher at the time. And he's, I think he came in and relieved that time. I'm not sure, but he came in and at the end of the dugout, um, and if anyone knows our stadium and the Tennessee Smokies, there's a long dugout. And so he kind of pulled me apart and said, hey, I need to talk to you. And he mentioned how, I don't feel it. I don't have the energy I need. And it was quite interesting because <laughs> you know our uh, our position players were doing their thing and he was in there and I only had maybe a I had to really be sharp and concise with what I was going to tell this player to be able to raise his game so I taught him a breathing technique. And that inning actually went a little longer so it was actually great because he needed that. And so some those situations happen very quickly in all professional sports. You have to be really sharp and succinct with what you're doing with a player in the moment when there's a game. And I, and I really, I mentioned this particular um, opportunity because it is, it, that's the pressure for us as mental coaches is to really help a player in the moment. So there was really a high point for this player to get through that situation. He went out and did great that inning. He felt that that breathing exercise was important. It was just that simple. It was also maybe a short, quick reminder of understanding the process and of what he can control. But in those moments, um, you know, that's not always the case. For that player to have the maturity, the emotional management at that time to know that, hey, I need a little bit of advice at this point. A lot of our players feel like I can't share this right now. I, I need to figure this out for myself. And I think that really was a highlight for both of us no player and mental skills coach included because it, it showed, it showed how well you can get through difficult situations. If you're able to do things that really help you. Right. And for me, it was being really sharp with what I was able to give this athlete, not always easy to do. And again, as I mentioned, players need to fail to learn those big lessons. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, he didn't fail, but he was had the awareness to know that, Hey, I'm not at that number that I need to be. And I think that was a a wonderful demonstration of doing the right thing at the right moment. And that doesn't always happen, quite frankly. That's not always easy. Um, so, yeah, that's one example.
0: Well, that takes me back to the skills, too. So one thing I learned as a young player, if you can feel what you did wrong, you can fix it. And if if you don't feel it, you have no idea, no awareness on what to fix. I imagine yeah. that's largely what you're trying to give these players, right? The The ability to kind of know when things go off track or they're starting to go off track.
1: Yeah, no, of course. And, and But feelings can be deceiving and emotions as well. So, you know, I kind of battle with this. You have to feel good to play good uh, or you have to look good to play good. And I think when we put a judgment on a feeling or even a thought or an emotion, we're kind of narrowing the options and the choice of control we have. Okay. But that's exactly the point that we're trying to do is we're trying to create the awareness that, hey, you might feel those butterflies in the stomach. For us, to be honest, just to take that situation, um, we're trying to teach them that those butterflies in the stomach, one, it's normal, but two, it's an opportunity. You can feel that nerve, those nervousness as as a fear, as something you want to avoid, or you can change that perception to, hey, this is Awesome! I'm in a situation. We teach pref- pressure is is uh, is a privilege. It's an honor to have that in the situation. So now we're trying to get the player to feel those butterflies, that nerve, that stress, and change that mindset to hey, this is an opportunity, this is a challenge, instead of a threat, something negative. And it's a perceptual thing. But again, it goes back to non-judgmentally appreciating what they feel, what they think and having a choice that, that doesn't have to stay that way, if it's not helping them, that there are things that they can do to adjust, to think, to behave, and then kind of find their space to be the best that they can be. And to hit that grand slam, like David Bodie did in that situation, to be able to create the conditions, to give yourself the best chances to succeed. That's kind of where we try and employ our players, you know. Winning, obviously, is the result, is the objective. We're not going to lie about that. Sports fundamentally is about yeah. that. But for us, our philosophy to be able to do that well is to create the conditions to give yourself the best chances to be able to win. You know, if you're, if we hear a player, my goal is to win, you know what? I kind of take some time to kind of teach that player, Well, okay, winning is not totally in your control, not 100%. We're trying to encourage them, create the conditions to give yourself the best chances because as we know in baseball, and I believe baseball is probably the most unpredictable sport there is. Anything can happen, you know, and it's, it's just it's such a wonderful sport for me to see that, but because there's so many factors towards winning, truly winning, you can't spend time on everything. You can't control everything, and there's a lot of perfectionists out there that want to do that. Mm -hmm. but it's giving them the awareness, the education and support to be able to do that the best way they know how.
0: That's great. Well, David, I want to thank you for your time today. Uh, Can people find you on social media? Are are you out there?
1: Yes. Yes, please. Um, I'm on all platforms. I think my Twitter is at David DeSilva 99. um, And that also is my uh, LinkedIn uh, account. Oh, sorry, my LinkedIn, my um, Instagram account. You're more than welcome. Um, uh, I tend to post quotes on a daily basis and and really just try and encourage um, the mindsets that you know the approach that your mind is a powerful weapon um, but yeah if anyone is interested in, in learning more um, please it's 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 an absolute honor to be part of an organization that values mental skills training and mental health and I think it's just a remarkable project for every. Person in the Chicago Cubs to help these players succeed at a high level, and the players themselves—it's—it's—it's really a wonderful
0: journey. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today.
1: No, thank you. Appreciate it.
0: I want to thank David one more time for coming on the podcast, and thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this one. If you liked what you heard, or maybe especially if you didn't, please drop a rating and a review wherever it is you get your podcasts, or tell a friend about the show. It only takes a few seconds for you, but it's great feedback to help me improve and it helps other Cub fans find the show. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Cubs PS Plus. This is Mike Waller, host of the Cubs PS Plus podcast. Every day with Cubs Baseball or talking about Cubs Baseball is a great day. Go Cubs!